sports yet? One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer and editor Robert. Hello, this is Take Two. Take Two, yeah. Uh, we write for SifPop.com. Uh, we provide movie reviews, best ever challenges, uh, other interesting movie-related articles. Lots of good stuff on there. Uh, One Stop Pop, Auto Market, Animation Celebration, uh, Another Person's Treasure, coming back with a really strong entry. Lots of good stuff and a lot of uh, new things potentially on the horizon. So that should be uh, really exciting, including um, a, a new writer for, uh, not, not necessarily permanent, but just a different writer. Um, for 20th Century Flicks, that'll get published uh, next next week by the time this airs. Uh, lots of exciting things going on um, in the world of SipPop.com. But uh, on today's show, on the podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about two coming attractions, the movies that are coming out soon. And um, then we'll uh, talk about our goats, by the way. Um, quick announcement about goats. We're going to move these down to just one a week because as we are kind of getting out of COVID schedule and into you know more, uh, more full schedules, um, just a little bit of less free time um, and just shifts in like personal and all that. So just a lot of these movies wind up being two and a half, three hours. And um, it's just uh, sometimes a little bit too daunting. So uh, starting this week, uh, goats will be moved down to typically just one film per, per month. Um, and so we are talking about Ikiru today, uh, the Kurosawa Japanese film. Uh, and then we'll explore the B-plot when we're done talking about Ikiru. We'll talk about uh, something related to uh, The Guilty coming out on next year soon. And um, we'll wrap up with a spinoff after that. But first, as always, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Um, Robert, I, I thought, you know, we're getting close to Oscar season. Uh, we're getting close to, like, a lot of these big, highly anticipated movies coming out. You know, this is when box office numbers are um, are big for, like, a lot of the movies. You know, uh, summer is a great blockbuster time, too, but, like... This is where we're going to get those blockbuster ones that are actually kind of going for awards that aren't visual effects. But uh, um, uh, I just want to know, like, what are like one or two or maybe like three of the most anticipated movies for the rest of 2021 for you? Uh, number one is obviously God's Not Dead, We the People. No. <laughs> um, I will stay as far away from that movie as possible. Um, yeah, me too. No, number one is The Last Duel, and that's only a couple weeks away now. Mm. Um, I'm yeah, this big, is my number three. Number three, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we doing Trump rules or should I just talk about no, it? No, no. I just I just wanted to point it out. That way I don't have to talk about it later. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big Ridley Scott fan and especially Ridley Scott playing with swords. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Gladiator and Kingdom of Heaven, Director's Cut. Uh, even I, I even love his Robin Hood movie. Yeah. Or not love it, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I just can't wait to see this, especially with Affleck and Damon teaming back up and starring. And then, of course, Adam Driver being in there. I'm just super excited for it. Yeah, and who's the female lead? I, I'm having trouble. Jodie Comer. Yeah, and she's great too. So yeah, apparently um, she's like the lead of the movie. So yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is one that I think is going to be incredible. I mean, because it, 
it feels like this is going to be like a two and a half hour movie that's like maybe a 30 minute trial, a 30 minute preparing for a battle and like an hour and a half duel. Like <laughs> that's kind of what this looks like. Yeah. Uh, and I'm here for it. So, um, and I think that like, uh, given the, the story, like there's some actual stakes and consequences and you know, there, there's a lot of character work being done in this. This could have very easily just been like, Hey, a duel. And, but it seems like everybody's got their own motivations and everybody's got their, um, their reason. Um, there's a lot more at stake here other than people's lives. And I think that's, uh, yeah, this movie looks right. exciting as hell. Yeah, I, so. I absolutely cannot wait for this. I just these days, anything with Adam Driver, um, I just can't wait for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was great in Annette. I don't know if you watched it. No. Um, but he was he was incredible in that. I he could almost I wrote in my review for Annette that I feel like there's a chance he could go he could be nominated for three Oscars if that was even a thing between Annette, Last Duel, and then House of Gucci again with Ridley Scott. But obviously he's not going to be, but that's just like his prolificness well and it's even like movies that aren't necessarily super interesting or whatever like when he did the report a couple years ago he's great in the report yep so um and he's he's like even uh i saw the dead don't die um because for some reason um i didn't but uh i thought it was fine i thought it was fine it wasn't as bad as everybody says it is but uh he's good in it Mm -hmm. he's got some good comedic timing in it and that's you know you would think Bill Murray would be the main standout for that. And I was like, oh, no, Adam Driver is the funniest. Huh. Yeah. Um, and, and then and of course, we're both other, big Star Wars fans. So, yeah, there's this other comedy he did. Um, I think it was like a spoof or something called The, the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> uh, was it supposed to be taken seriously? I don't uh, know. I was so afraid you were going to say Marriage Story. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which he's terrific in Marriage Story. I, I'm yeah. still of the opinion that he should have won the Best Actor Oscar here. Who won for that one? I don't even remember. Uh, that was um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, was that the Joaquin? Yeah. Uh, I can't fault that one. That's the only one that I, that's the only thing I thought the movie deserved. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, not to not to downplay Joaquin's performance. That yeah. was uh, was Adam's driver, a driver's Oscar. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, let's see. We so last duel is in both of our top three. Um, look, this is one I didn't, I wouldn't have put on here a week ago, but I have the Matrix Resurrections on here. Hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan. I think the first one is in my top 10 movies of all time. And I think the second and third are better than people say, specifically the second one. Um, doesn't mean they're great. Uh, and uh, But they're better than people say. And I had very little confidence as they were like announcing all of this. I was like, oh, this is a cash grab. And you know, it was initially announced as a young Morpheus movie starring Michael B. Jordan. I'm like, I'm just not interested in that. And now it's, you know, there is a different Morpheus with Yaha Abdul into the second. I'm like, yeah, all right. Um, and uh, it, it's it's one of those things too. Like the Wachowskis have made you know, some incredible films, but a lot of stinkers too. Like I think Jupiter Ascending was one of the last things they did. And I know Speed Racer is kind of divisive, and Cloud Atlas is also really divisive. It's like, I should we be excited that they're coming out with a new? Well, this I, one's I don't only so. Lana, right? I think so, but I think. Uh, um, I think they both obviously have a part in crafting the story. It's yes, it's only directed by Lana. Yeah, um, yeah. So I have only ever seen the first Matrix, but I saw people freaking out over the trailer for the new one, and I saw some stills. I didn't watch the trailer yet, um, but it just so happened, like a day or two before the trailer came out, I had found the three pack mm-hmm. for uh, all three current or all three already released matrix movies i found it for like eight dollars yeah um so i picked it up and uh yeah i'm working my, my way through it i'm definitely gonna watch them all before the new one comes out and then there's a solid chance this will climb up my anticipated list yeah this is a. Uh, it's been a while since i've seen any of them but i picked up the 4k release 
maybe uh, six months ago or something. Uh, I'm definitely going to rewatch all of them on 4K before. Yeah. What about you? What's another one? Um, so I only had two serious ones. The God's Not Dead was my third. Oh, um, got it. So my, my other one is Don't Look Up. We were talking about it before we uh, yeah. started recording. But the new Adam McKay movie with <laughs> everybody, it looks like the leads are DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And then... Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep plays a president and uh, Kate Blanchett, of course, as she should. And Tyler Perry, even I like when Tyler Perry, I I don't think I've seen any of Tyler Perry's like Tyler Perry movies, but I like him in Gone Girl and as a crap. I can't remember the guy's name in Vice. Um, Oh, man. Anyway, um, I I just can't wait for this movie because I love Adam McKay. Colin uh, Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I like I love Adam McKay between. Anchorman, the other guys, Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of my favorites. And then his other two are okay, but it seems like this one is heading a little bit back towards the comedy, but with prestige actors. So yeah, I just cannot wait for this at all. Yeah, uh, we were talking about that a little bit before because just like seems like there's five or six like massive ensemble pieces um, that are coming out either soon or are like st- prepping for pre-production now. And like, it's exciting because like who would have thought a couple of years ago that you know we would be able to have casts like we do now because like i mean even think back to like the knives out cast you know yeah like, would you have legitimately thought that you could get daniel craig and michael shannon and jamie lee curtis and anna Darmas and chris Christopher evans. Plummer and chris evans right would you legitimately think that you chris evans to take a supporting role and uh and like like a lot of these people taking supporting roles like Keith stanfield to be in the movie for like 10 and a half minutes like yeah would you have legitimately thought i would have said no way like because these are all A-listers, you know. Yeah, um, it's, so it's great. It's exciting. You have to see Brad Pitt take a. I mean, he's get a, he gets a lot of screen time, but technically supporting role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like even stuff like that is like Brad Pitt is way past supporting role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's almost like we're getting back to like Ocean's Eleven, you know, where you have everybody and their mother in that movie. Um, yeah. So uh, my last one is not. Don't look up though. Um, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, I'm, or I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, it's just not anything I'm super terribly excited about. An ensemble cast is cool, but it's not something to get me like really going. Um, and then, uh, uh, my, it, honestly, this should be Spider-Man for me, No Way Home. But like we were talking about, I just feel like we know everything about this movie, and it's just the more you, the more I find out about movies, the less excited I get about them. Um, yeah. Specifically with comic book movies, to learn to uh, to just let things be a surprise, um, and I'll be more excited. Um, it's like no one had Christmas when they were right. Uh, my actual um, number one is Tick, Tick Boom. Um, mm, I was thinking of putting that on there. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's something about like I think Lin Manuel is uh, is is a genius, and um, I know there's kind of a wave of people calling him uh, like overrated at this point, and it's like no, <laughs> not everything he does is a hit. You know, like I didn't see Vivo, but I don't know anybody that's over the moon about that, and um, you know but it's hard to deny like the genius of Hamilton and uh, in the Heights. I really loved, I know you didn't love it quite as much, but um, you know, his uh, um, stint on Brooklyn nine, nine and Mary Poppins return work in the Moana soundtrack. It's just hard not to get excited about anything he's got doing, let alone starring Andrew Garfield, who is one of the most underrated actors of all time. Under talked about at least, I think people like him, but like, He's the only legitimately talked about is Spider Man. That's the problem, right? But like, Silence is his best performance, and mm-hmm. you know he's great in Hacksaw Ridge, and he feels like a caricature of a character. But then when you hear the interview at the end, he's like, "Oh no, he actually talks like that." Got it? Yeah. Um, and it's weird because hearing Andrew Garfield in interviews, and he's British, and you're like, 
no, that he didn't. <laughs> he's not British, right? You know, in Social Network, he's terrific in, and um, you know, I'm sure he's terrific in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and uh, I mean, I didn't see mainstream, but I, I'm sure he's great in it. He's great in it. The movie isn't great, but he's yeah. understandably great or predictably great. Well, and you add, you know, in this cast also Bradley Woodford, Vanessa Hudgens. That doesn't. Do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and you have this be based off of a book um, about. I think this one is the making of Rent. Um, so you have source material, uh, and that's. Look, I probably wouldn't have been excited for a movie about the making of a musical not that long ago. But as I've gotten more into Broadway stuff, I still haven't seen Rent, but I am much more interested in seeing Tick Tick Boom than I am Rent. Yeah, um, you know me. I'm interested. I'm. I'll be watching. It's Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah, I'll be watching. Uh, of course, because anything that Andrew Garfield does, but uh, I don't know if I'll love it just because I'm actually not a huge Lin Manuel fan. Um, I think it's interesting that you cited Mary Poppins Returns. As, I haven't uh, seen it, but like I, I've seen clips of him. He does an awful Cockney accent, and the movie is oh. not good. But. Okay. Um, See, I I think the movie is generally well liked from my perception of how people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as for Tick Tick Boom, I just don't know the story, and that's where I'm just like, I'll watch it. It's Andrew Garfield, uh, but that's probably where my interest ends. But yeah, um, I definitely see the appeal. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, yeah. So then the other question I have for you, this is that random question that we do to kick off the show uh, before we talk about the coming attractions. Uh, Robert, do you have like a bucket list of like concerts you would like to see? Concerts? No. Yeah. Um, no, I can't. I can honestly not think of anyone off the top of my head. I don't really go to concerts nor enjoy them because they're just too loud for me. Sure. I turned 25 two weeks ago and uh, I'm finally starting to age into my attitude. <laughs> Man, it's weird. Like, I love going to concerts, but I'm the kind of guy that, like, I just want to sit in the back by the bar and watch from afar. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really care to be close anymore, partly because they're loud. But it's really more so because um, everybody is so self-indulged at concerts that, like, ever since, like, smartphones and Snapchats and, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, people can't just watch. They have to film and then they have to be in the very front and you know, hold it up in the air. And it's just like, but now you're blocking my line of sight and I hate you forever. Yeah. Um, so if you go to concerts, don't be a douchebag. Uh, but that's why I just, I prefer to, you know, sit at the back and grab a beer and watch from afar at this. Yeah. Um, or I go to somewhere that's like, you know, assigned seating, you know, like go to a stadium show or something sure. like that. Right. Um, so I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm an Imagine Dragons fan. I've mm-hmm. been, the, I've been a fan of them since before they got the new Nickelback reputation. Um, <laughs> so I got to see them on tour at Barclays Center. I think that's the arena in Brooklyn. Um, I got to see them maybe five years ago, uh, and I think I hit it right at the perfect time, right before. Like there were smartphones there, and there was rec- there was recording, but it wasn't quite at that spot. So like I have videos and pictures from it, but I was right like three people from the stage so that that was fun and i think i'll cherish that memory um because i didn't even think about the whole smartphones recording you well, know and here's the other thing too Sp- smartphones are are not at a point ipads nothing is at the point um that you can have it handheld or carry it in or not and it would record good audio quality and mm. even then there's so much lighting on stage that it doesn't even record good video quality so it's you're literally just recording you know, like if I were to turn the gain all the way up on this episode and it would just be a distorted mess, nobody wants to watch that on your Snapchat story or your Facebook feed. Definitely you aren't going to go revisit that. So pictures, fine. Video, get it the crap out of here um, at concerts. And uh, um, yeah, um, 
so my 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 real two i really only have uh no th- uh three i have three um i uh would love to see grandson live um he's one of my favorite like i don't know if he's still uh, he's up and coming i guess um just know. just put out his first album he did the uh uh he had he had a couple songs featured on uh the suicide squad uh film hmm. Uh, he did the original song for the film, um, had one of his that was featured in the end credits and the trailers, all that. Um, anyway, I, th- I really dig that style of music. Um, and uh, the other one would be, uh, or one of the other ones would be, uh, I really want to see Muse, but the problem is Muse really only sells out stadiums at this point. So if I want to go, I'm going to have to spend like $300 for like a balcony way in the back. But like, I think it'd be so worth it. Uh, and I would love to see Adele. Um, just with 10,000 people crying. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big Adele fan, so um, I would certainly love to see her perform live. Nice. But, um, if you want, I could give you baseball stadiums that are on my bucket list. <laughs> I, sure, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead and do that. We've been, oh, I've been, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to D.C. to see the Red Sox play. Um, cool. I'm trying to see all the different stadiums, like at least local-ish to me that I haven't been to, so... I got to go to Baltimore earlier this year, going to DC. Baltimore tickets are probably like eight bucks right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were like, we we sat in right field, like 10 rows back for $30 a person, including parking. Um, But yeah, as for bucket lists, I'd really like to go to Wrigley. Um, Don't know when I'll be in Central America, though. But at some point, I'm definitely going to go to Dodger Stadium. I want to place out. Uh, That'll probably be in the next couple of years. So. Yeah, I uh, I've been to Fenway and Wrigley, so like you know that's that's the two. And I have a brother that lives in Boston. So go mm-hmm. to Fenway whenever I have him, and I don't live far from Chicago. So um, anyway, um, so if you go to Wrigley, you gotta let me know and get yeah. an extra ticket for me and my wife. But, One for both of you. Yeah, yeah, we'll share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, I don't I don't super care about base. I, I I would like the Giants one just because it overlooks the bay. I'd like to go see. Yeah, was, yeah. I don't I don't know like PNC Giants. No, that's it's one Pittsburgh. of the banks. Um, I couldn't tell you about the Giants Stadium. Anyway, I I would love. They're all to sponsored, see... and I can never remember. <laughs> well, is they're all better than guaranteed rate field. So that's true. Um, Giants yeah. is Oracle. Oracle. Yeah, I would have never got that. Uh, so I would like to go see that one just because it overlooks the bay. I think that's a really unique environment. Yeah. Um, also, I, I watched. Oh, go ahead. That's why I watched the Bears Rams game the other day. I know we're in football now, but like that stadium looks legit. I want to go to that. Where is that? I don't L- follow LA. football at all. Okay. Um, for the Rams. Uh, the only thing, the only like the, my own bucket list one would be because I'm a big hockey fan. Um, I just want to see Matt. I just want to go to a game in Madison Square Garden. Go see hmm. uh, the Bears versus the Ra- or the not the Bears, Blackhawks versus the Rangers. Um, and I know tickets are going to be through the roof, but um, yeah, Madison Square Garden has to be the experience of a lifetime. Nice. Cool. There, I'm glad we turned that into something that, that you topic. could. I'm glad. I, yeah, I'm glad we gained something that you could contribute. Um, how about I go see Muse in Madison Square Garden? How about that? Perfect. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, we got uh, two movies that are coming out soon. We're gonna go in chronological order, uh, like of release date. Um, so we'll talk about um, Dear Evan Hansen first. Uh, well, I guess that's kind of a happen. The Guilty is coming out. Um, a limited release, I think, on the twenty fourth as well, but it is hitting Netflix on October first. So, um, I guess that's maybe a little cheap. We'll talk about Dear Evan Hansen first. Um, this is a film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy Award winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety disorder, and his journey of self discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate, Robert. Um, 
how excited are you about this movie? Uh, again, you know, not taking in COVID, not taking in budgets or anything like that. You know, you're an A-list member, so mm-hmm. not taking into account any of that. Just in terms of like your own free will, when do you think you'd get around to seeing this movie? Opening weekend, wait for a discount night, uh, wait till you can rent it at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already paid for, or are you just not interested? Do we have free will? No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> other podcasts. Uh, other podcasts. Well, I don't know why I'm like this. Um, I, I'll probably be a matinee. Um, yeah. We'll talk about it in a minute, but there's my, that's where I land. That shocks me. Cause I'm pretty sure when the, when the initial trailer came out, you were, you were in like never watch, but I was uh, never there, but I'll explain myself in a minute. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be a matinee uh, as well. And um, here's the thing. I love this source material so much. And I love the soundtrack so much, um, at least of the Broadway um, mm. that I was never going to be anything less than like matinee. I'm going to see this opening weekend. I'm going to go see this opening night because I'm such a big fan of the source material. Um, but, uh, I am much less confident that I think this is going to be a good movie than I was even a week ago. Um, and just the, the initial trailer came out and I didn't like it at all. And then I watched it again in a theater. I was like, I had a complete opposite experience. I thought it was terrific. Um, but I just think, um, not because of the age thing. I got over that pretty quick. Not because yeah. Ben Platt is a, looks like a 30 year old in high school. Um, but doesn't help that he's things. juxtaposed with Caitlin Deaver who looks like she's 17 still. Yeah, who is actually like six or so. Yeah, but looks like she's 17 or 18 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so I I have reservations, uh, but ultimately I love the source material and soundtrack enough that I, I can't not be excited for this. Have so. you seen the play? I have. Um, I saw, so here's a um, couple of fun facts. Um, so I started to get into Broadway or play stuff right about the time that I met my wife um, because I was like, oh, everybody's seeing Hamilton. And when I moved to... Iowa City, I'm not far away from Des Moines, which has a performance center. And it's not, you know, cost you an arm and a leg like Chicago. So so I went and saw Hamilton. And then I met my wife shortly after. And she's a big fan of musical stuff. So we've seen a lot more. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I, I I love the soundtrack. It's probably my favorite Broadway soundtrack of all time. And um, yes, I did see it live, I think February 2019. And uh, there's a song from the soundtrack that was... Um, our first dance at a wedding at our wedding not a wedding our wedding cool that's nice yeah uh, so it sounds like yeah very personal to you so yeah understandable um yeah so my yeah my last semester of college so uh fall of 28 yeah this is great content fall of 2018 <laughs> was my last semester of college um <laughs> love it and i needed to just fill out one of my last requirements and it was like the arts requirement. And the only thing was either like drawing or sculpting or uh, theater. And I was like, well, I've tried to draw. I wish I could draw, but I can't. So I'm not doing that. Sculpting just seems like too much work when I'm trying to, you know, balance everything else at the end of your college career. So I was like, theater, learning about plays is close enough to movies. I'll probably, you know, understand some stuff because of it. So I, I took that class. And there was so much talk of Dear Evan Hansen, um, the professor. A lot of the people in the class loved uh, theater and obviously, and the professor would always bring up Dear Evan Hansen as like an example when talking about theater stuff. And I just like only knew of it because of that. And then I saw the trailer for this movie. I was like, this is the thing that people wouldn't stop talking about in that class. That, that premise seems, I just can't get past that premise or else it would be opening night because like you were just saying about how much you listen to this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I do throw on the greatest showman soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think it's a terrible movie, I do think yes. it has great music. Um, yes. 
And is that, the same writers as La La Land, right? Yes, these are the same people that did the soundtrack for Greatest Showman and La La Land. Yeah, so I love La La Land, the movie and the music. Um, I think we're probably in the same boat on both of those. Yes, we are. Um, but as for Dear Evan Hansen, that movie, I just the music sounds great, and I'm like, I'll probably enjoy listening to it in a in a big uh, like in a theater with professional sound and all that. So that's why I'm in matinee and not just rented or streaming. Okay, but man, that story looks rough so the premise i think i don't know that the trailer gives it justice because they just kind of make it like they're not clear about things in the, in at least the show um uh evan hansen writes a letter to himself as part of his therapy and he wants like a friend and he happens to encounter connor and so he writes a letter as if it was from connor to evan and then connor discovers it and takes it home and that's the day he kills himself and uh which by the way like trigger warning um if that's something that's gonna yeah. like you know it's anxiety and you know suicide stuff um if that's going to trigger you like it's full of that kind of stuff um so so it, that's the day that he commits suicide and uh um and then the parents find the note and so they think oh you must have been his friend and then it's almost out of like how do you say no to a grieving person that's just trying to piece together what what caused their son like that so it's um that's kind of the story so it, it's still kind of bonkers and it, it's just not quite as bonkers as the trailer makes it out to because i'll be honest that sounds exactly like what i've got from the trailer okay. and i'm just like just kind of just riding off the coattails of that but i do want to say i hate when people overreact to trailers um mm-hmm. and just like get up in arms about story beats and trailers um if you say oh this movie doesn't look good to me i'm not going to see it that's fine obviously do your own thing but I'm, I'm not trying to get up in arms and be like this looks ridiculous i'm not like prejudging it if i go and watch it and it turns out oh actually there's something else here that i didn't realize i'd be happy to admit it i'm just saying just the way it comes across is just weird um well and that's the thing too is like i saw it for the first time and i was like that was not a good trailer i don't mm-hmm. i'm not excited about this movie at all and then like the next day my wife and i went and saw oh it must have been like maybe black widow or something like that um because it was about that time frame and the trailer came on in front of it. And I was like, holy crap. I'm so, it was, it was in the Heights. It was before in the Heights. Hmm. And I was like, I'm really excited to see this movie now because I've seen like something about that was different. And then I've watched the trailer since at home. And I was like, I don't know what was into me that first time. Maybe like my expectations were certainly too high. Um, and Ben Platt just looks weird. Um, like not, not in general, but like he looks weird. Like they're trying to like make up him down and probably a little CGI to DH him, but he's, Still, even he still looks like a twenty-four-year-old, um, but I guess that's better than looking like a thirty-year-old. So, I'm pretty sure he's twenty-seven. Either uh, way, life, yeah. Um, which and like, I like that they have him cast because he's the original Evan Hansen on Broadway. But like, there's no reason it had to be him. Um, I think I think what what people need to start doing for Broadway performances is do what Come From Away and Hamilton did. Which is when you get to the end of the original Broadway run with the original cast, make a record and then lock it up in a vault and you can release it. Here. Like that's what should happen. Um, Isn't this kind of like James Earl Jones coming back in Lion King and just like make it your own thing and not try to redo something else? Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of. Um, so anyway, I, I think. I think at this point it was just too late to still cast Ben Platt, mm-hmm. um, or they should have filmed this movie with the original Broadway cast and locked it in a vault, not necessarily a stage play, but um, especially because this is an age specific show. You can make Hamilton whenever you want, um, you know, cause it's, it spans right. so many years and whatnot, but like 
you can't make a movie that takes place exclusively in a couple of months of high school and have it star 30 year olds at least you shouldn't like you can people did it for a long time you know and we'll we'll talk about more of those i'm sure either on the website or on the podcast or something like that but um you know it's um yeah um there's the, my big hang-ups are i'm a, such a big fan of the original soundtrack on broadway and i've listened to two of the three songs that they've released for the movie version and it is just not anywhere near as good hmm. um for several different reasons so um, maybe it will be in the movie though yeah maybe, like not yeah that's my hope it. that's yeah. my hope but like it is still everything well and so here's the other thing about dear evan hansen is the original broadway cast was like your three main characters uh or at least connor um uh evan hansen and the the friend character that i don't know his name which by the way i think this is the best casting ever is casting the friend from atypical as this friend um i don't know his name off the top of my head um i think he's terrific in atypical and he's the best part of escape room so um yeah i think he's he's perfect for that role uh but anyway like uh they one of one of the songs on the soundtrack has those three and because in the broadway play there's three young white guys singing. They all sound the same um, mm-hmm. or they sound slightly different, um, but really hard to distinguish. And so um, just listening to it was really hard to distinguish, but being able to see it on the show, it just helped made things make a lot more sense. That's I bring that song up because that's one of the ones that they have in the musical and it, it's more distinguished. So that's good. But like, it just doesn't sound anywhere near as fun or as um, just in general, well done. I, I just didn't nothing about that soundtrack did it for me. So um, I'm hoping that it'll be that theater experience. That'll make it a lot better, but that's really the big hangup I have is that. And I'm, 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 I'm wondering how much of the soundtrack is going to be able to actually make a movie. If they only have three songs in there, that's not going to, that's not going to make me happy. Um, I'd rather them go full Les Mis than, you know, do a movie based off a musical and only have the hits. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton to say because I am at, like I said, my only familiarity with the musical is that people loved it in my one class. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, anyway, I'll, I'll, that, I'll, that's all I'll say for now, too, because I at this point, it's just going to be comparing it to the musical. And that will be what happens in our review as well. So, um, you know, it's uh, it is what it is. But um, also, I will be talking about Dear Evan Hansen and I think The Guilty on Sif Pop next week. So make sure to check in. It's Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. now, 6 Sif Pop Weekly. Um, or catch it later in your podcast feed. The full episode to hear my full review of Dear Evan Hansen when it comes out. Uh, unless you're a patron. And, unless you're, of course, you're a patron. Um, so, uh, The Guilty. Uh, October 1st on uh, Netflix, and I, this is going to get a limited theatrical release starting this week. Um, this is a, this is a remake of a foreign film, um, which is what our B-plot is. Um, American remakes of foreign films. Uh, this is... Uh, Antoine Fuqua direct, directing, Jake Gyllenhaal starring. Synopsis is a demoted police officer assigned to call dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. Robert, uh, same scale. Uh, how excited do you think you are about the guilty? Um, well, I highly doubt that it'll come to any theaters near me. So yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, so I'll just say opening night for Netflix. Cool. Um, I'm going to stick with matinee for this one. Um, or discount night or whatever. Um, go ahead and uh, give your reasons. You were a little higher on it. Than me. Yeah, so was it you? I think maybe a week or two ago you retweeted that the original is on Hulu. Yes. Yeah, I think um, Yeah, I think I saw your retweet, and that's when I was like, oh, maybe I'll check that out. And I did. 
last weekend at like 3 a.m. Good. And normally I'm falling asleep at that time, but the movie and the story kept me very invested. Um, and if this movie is anything like the original, then I think it will be great. Um, How good is that original? It's really good. I think I gave it four and a half or five stars. Um, yeah, I used it as my spinoff last week. It's man, it's so freaking electric. Yeah. And a brutal ending. <laughs> yes. So like, that's the thing is like we we all watched another round last year and loved it. Mm-hmm. And then what? The night of the Oscars or soon after they announced yeah. that Leo is going to be remaking it. It's like, yeah. come on, we got that one. And it's the same thing here. Can't we just let people watch The Guilty from Denmark because of how good it is? Um, we should be able to. We should. Um, yeah. I, I noticed it said the writer from True Detective is in the trailer for this, the Jake Gyllenhaal version. And I was like, couldn't they have just taken the exact same script and translated it to English? And they they, made they that? could have, yeah. And they should have, I think, because... That's fair. Again, I'm not trying to overreact to the trailer. and I didn't really see anything that surprised me in the trailer. It was all very familiar based on what was in the original movie. That's why I'm just like, I don't know. You got to do something different for me to think it's great. Um, Otherwise, it's just going to remind me too much of the old one or the original one. It's not that old. It's only like three years old, Um, which is already 10 out of 10. So Mm -hmm. I said opening night because I'm so my interest is peaked into seeing how it all goes down, whether it's going to be a dumpster fire or whether all of these names will have done the bad thing of remaking something that should never have been remade. Yeah, uh, 2018 film, by the way. Yeah, so, so. three years ago. Yeah, yeah, I love Gyllenhaal. Antoine Fuqua's made a lot of good movies. Uh, I didn't notice what season of True Detective. I don't know if it's every season, but I, I like the, the first cre- season. I think he's the creator. Yeah, I only saw the first season and I thought it was great. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and then Ethan Hawke's one of the na- one of the voices on the phone. I love Ethan Hawke. <clears throat> yes, creator of True Detective. Um, also screenplay for the uh, Magnificent Seven and had a couple episodes. Of AMC. Uh, yeah. Um, look, to me, here's the thing: is uh, this is such a recent movie, 2018, um, and I I think it's really, really, really excellent. Um, <clears throat> um, really suspenseful and one of those movies that it's just impossible to look away once it gets started. Um, it's shot terrifically. It's incredibly well acted. Um, the reason I'm in discount night instead of uh, opening weekend is this feels unnecessary uh, because honestly, the best version of this movie is to take the screenplay and adapt it. And like Jake Gyllenhaal is a terrific actor. Actor, if he could pull anything that he did from like when he was doing Prisoners then that'll suit him well here. You get a couple good voice actors. Um, it looks like Riley Keough is playing one of them. Um, and uh, Peter Sarsgaard is playing another one of the main voices. Uh, at least I don't know if it's... Um, yeah. You mentioned Ethan Hawke. Because um, they don't have... Oh, they, yeah, they do. I just have to expand. Um, yeah, Sergeant Bill Miller uh, is Ethan uh, um, Hawke. So, like, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Dano, apparently, um, way down in the voice cast. But, like, I like him. Bill Burr. Um, Bill Burr. Apparently... Uh, yeah he's way down there he plays like nightclub owner so he's probably like a background noise. um so anyway so the best version of this movie is to you get a good actor like jake joan hall and get a good suspenseful director like antoine fuqua you know and if he can tap into that you know training day intensity that it brings and then just straight remake this movie that's the best version of this movie uh is to just make an ex- make a shot for shot remake of the original with you know american actors but i don't need that for a 2018 film uh and i shouldn't need that for other films like i get it if like you know some of these films like especially ones we talk about on goats where you know editing has come so far and transitions yeah. and film quality in general like right. 
that's that's you know if somebody wanted to make a shot for shot remake of rope remake of rope i'm in for it um uh even though rope's like one of my favorite movies of all time but like this is a 2018 movie it's already high quality in denmark like um and that lead actor is great i'm gonna look up his name real quick yeah and like so i'll just kind of finish my point while you're doing that which is just like the the best version is to do that and so but that that's never going to make me super excited for a 2018 film 2021 2021 remake and um but i don't want because i don't want them to stray from the source material because i think the original story is terrific and every twist and turn it takes uh the and the ending is just perfect i don't want them to change this movie at all and if they make any changes, I'm going to be mad. It looks like there might be some wildfire stuff thrown in there, just based on the trailer. Um, mm. I don't know how that's... Maybe they'll uh, throw I, in I haven't seen something. the actual trailer of this one. I've seen the teaser where it's just words that come up on it. Okay, I watched the trailer before we started recording. Um, the original actor is Jakob Sudergren. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, he's terrific. Yeah, I, I think we have the same thoughts. I'm just more morbidly curious where I want to watch it right away. Um It'll almost be like watching the same movie twice in like a couple of weeks, but yeah. Um, Hopefully. So since this is, uh, since we have the same thoughts and all that, uh, this is going to be like limited. And then Netflix, if it was going to be around you, like, would you go see it in a theater or you, would you wait till Netflix? Uh, if it was at one of the AMCs near me, I would see it. I don't yep. really want to pay any okay. extra. That's fair. Yeah. I think I'm just going to wait for Netflix. Um, yeah. I, I probably will turn on subtitles. Just because, like, I feel like this is a very dialogue heavy, at least the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd like to, the ability to turn on subtitles. Um, just in general, like, there's no AMC close to me, so I don't have a you know movie pass or anything like that. Uh, which means I do have to pay for everything, and it's just hard to. I can wait a week, you know, and not spend money because the only theater it'll be at in town is the indie one, and it's like thirteen bucks. I mean, it's like that's like a month of Netflix, yeah. not anymore. But that was like a month of Netflix three years. Um, so anyway, so I'll be checking it out probably really close to the first day. I need to rewatch the original because I haven't seen it in maybe two years. Um, but I need to check it out. It's really good. Yep. Great. Go watch that one instead. Yeah. And hopefully hopefully this one is just as good. Um, so I'm hopefully. all for if we want to expose people to, hey, this movie that is great. You should go check out the original. Or like just be like, yeah, like just in general exposing this to more people. How much more playtime is this going to get? I don't know. Americans are stupid. Like, I'm still thinking back when people were like, Parasite's a dumb movie because it has subtitles. And I'm just like, no, literally the worst. <laughs> so, um, couldn't have said yeah. it better than I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> uh, gosh, I hope that was as bad as it sounded. How many people just turned off their podcast? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> um, anyway uh let's move on to the sift topic we're going to talk about our goat this week uh we got ikiru coming in um uh japanese kurosawa film 19 years um and you can catch this streaming on hbo max uh if you haven't seen this and i'm i normally don't do this but like uh, you know we normally just assume you guys know hey we're gonna do full spoilers and all that i'm i, I think this is worth saying if you haven't seen this movie you really should watch it into this um you you really should check this out um because uh this is definitely one of those films that is a storytelling experience and um if you hear us tell you the storytelling experience it um will probably lessen your quality so if unless you're one of those people that really don't care but i'm gonna go ahead and re- just recommend we are talking full spoilers and all that um you can check it streaming on hbo max um, or i think the criterion but hbo yeah um this is a 1952 movie synopsis is the a bureaucrat tries to find meaning in his life after he discovers he has terminal cancer. By the way, also Japanese, so subtitled. Um, 
Kurosawa. Yes. Japanese. Uh, this has an 8.3 on IMDb, which makes it the 101 highest rated film of all time. And it has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, this has a Criterion release, which is how I watched it because I own the Criterion. Um, uh, because I happened to find out about this like right about the time that Criterion in November. It's just like, all right, now's the time to buy it. Uh, I thought this was worth noting that Roger Ebert uh, was creating his great movies list in 1996. He says, over the years, I've seen every five, every five years or so. And each time it's moved me, made me think in the older I get, the less I see Watanabe, uh, or the less Watanabe seems like a pathetic old man in one of us. And he called it Kurosawa's greatest film. I think that is definitely a small feat from somebody like Robert, Roger Ebert. So I uh, thought that was definitely. Um, and this is our second Kurosawa film, by the way. We did Seven Samurai in our first episode. Um, and we will for sure get around to more of his. Um, because we got to do Rashomon at some. Uh, in 1972, Sight and Sound magazine, um, uh, or Sight and Sound, not magazine, critics poll uh, named this the 12th greatest film of all time. Uh, and Empire in 2008 ranked this 459 on the 500 greatest films of all time. And it was in 2010, 44th on the 100 films of world cinema. And there was a Japanese film magazine um, called Kinema Junpo. I know I butchered that, but that's fine. Um, they voted it the 13th greatest Japanese film of all time. And this made B- BBC's 2018 list the 100 greatest foreign language films. Uh, and I think um, one of the things I didn't list, but like Collider had this on like the 10 most overrated movies of all time. And, of course. Uh, it, that doesn't help its argument for like a goat. But I was just like, it's getting all this acclaim. Um, you know, and it's for some reason that was also listed in the legacy section. So, uh, that's a little bit of history. Why this one would count as a very collider thing to do that. It's (laughs) all the clickbaity websites we were talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, where's the superhero? I don't know. It was one of those. Right. The people that would ask Denis Villeneuve, what he thinks of Marvel (laughs) movies, uh, also wrote that article. So, um, and the, the, the other thing is um, I, I came across this movie because um, Scott Derrickson tweeted that it is his favorite film of all time. Um, and hmm. it was one of those like describe your favorite film of all time poorly or something like that. And I was just like, that sounds really interesting still. So like, let me get it. And he, he has a personal story. Um, he was teaching a class. This is like right. He did an interview like right before Exorcism of Emily Rose said he was teaching a class on Kurosawa and uh um, he got a call saying his dad suddenly died and he realized he was holding on to this movie and it was already among his favorites, but it solidified it for forever as his favorite movie um, because of that experience. Uh, and according to Scott Derrickson, I didn't look in the, in, in, in the interview, he mentions that this is also Spielberg's favorite movie, uh, which would not surprise me given the way that Spielberg treats father figures, but um, would not surprise me, but I didn't actually go. But uh, anyway, uh, I think all of those things are worth saying that uh, this movie is at least widely considered among the greatest of all times, but we'll be the real judge of that. Uh, Robert, have you heard of this movie before we put it on the list? Um, no, no, usually, uh, sorry, no, it's like it usually is where I uh, see you list a movie. I'm like, yeah, let's try it out. And cool. <laughs> yeah, that's how it went. Uh, being, what made you uh, excited about watching this one? Though? Able to talk on a podcast. Um <laughs> um it's the same as always where i was interested to see kurosawa in a bit of a shorter movie than seven samurai um and it seemed more personal than seven samurai and i'm always down for that sort of thing so um is are those are these the only two kurosawa films yeah um and by more personal i mean just i'm not trying to psychoanalyze him but just more like more intimate 
is a better way to put it. Well, and it's definitely a smaller scale. You know, yeah. this is a story about a person as opposed to a story about seven people and a village. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just got excited as soon as I heard, you know, wh- whenever a, a film res- a film director that I respect as much as I do, Derrickson, says, you should check out this film. And it's one I've never heard of. Then I'm always like, yeah, all right. Uh, so I've been excited to watch this one for a while. Um, and uh, that was it. Um, well, let's dive into it. Robert, Ikiru, did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Um, I think this is one of those in- instances where I'm glad that I watched it a few days ago um, mm. because I've thought about it yeah, just about every day since I watched it. So I would have been probably right and liked it uh, if immediate if you'd asked me it immediately after I finished it, but now I think I'm probably high side of like mm. uh I am just firmly and loved it. Uh not like over the moon, but not like uh um I, I think I only have one complaint about this which we'll talk about. Um but I, I think this is truly remarkable um in a in a lot of different ways. Uh I love this for sure. Um where do you want to start? Um here let me ask you a question to start off. Because... By the way, it should be noted, I watched it this morning. <laughs> okay. Maybe tomorrow you'd be like, wait, I hate that. Um, who who was the person on the bridge at the end? I think it's meant to to like symbolize him. Although we are, I don't think we're supposed to take it to mean it was literally. Okay. Because the, the Wantanabe character. Right. It was just, I was confused what the point of that was. Because I kind of wished it had either ended just on the swing. Mm-hmm. Um, without panning up to or tilting up to the uh, bridge and the guy watching either ended there or ended a scene earlier uh, with the, the people in the office. Uh, I liked the ending because to me, again, the way I interpreted it is that yeah. he is, um, I don't think he's necessarily meant to literally be there. I think it's very clear that he is dead at the end of the um, or really halfway through. Uh, but chronologically at that hmm. point, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, and uh um, so I don't think they're trying to sucker that at all. I think they're just trying to say this is him overshadowing. And since the second half of this movie is all about him building his legacy in this park, I think it's him overlooking his legacy and just being satisfied. Um, or it could just be meant to represent a common person that now gets to overlook this person's legacy. Um, but I, I took it to be him overseeing this thing that has become to mean so much of him, him leading his stamp on it. Because... I don't think it's a happy ending at all. No. Uh, And that's what kind of bummed me out. And what also confused me because like with that tilt up to the bridge, because um, all the way through, I was like, oh, this is just going to be, it's a wonderful life or about time. You know, I always love the kinds of movies that are like, that help you appreciate the little things in life and not just Mm -hmm. be on autopilot. And it is that for Watanabe until you have that last scene where people come into the office and like, we need help. And they're like, no, we're just sending you off to the next place. And then no one does anything to stop them. It. That's where I'm just like, wow, people are going to realize the amazingness of life too late, but nothing's going to change. It's a happy ending for this character. Yeah. For the Um, character. But it's not necessarily a happy ending for society or the world. And it's not a positive outlook from Kurosawa. Yes. And I, and I think he's pretty intentional with that because th- so really this film, this film is framed as a man suffering with, so he, he gets a terminal cancer diagnosis in the opening scene. Um, 
And so the the the, the kind of selling point for this movie or the marketing thing is a, a man realizes he's going to die and just starts to look at the banality of his life and wants to do something with it. And so he kind of searches for what is something he can do in the last maybe year of his life. That's that's the like initial marketing. And definitely the film does explore a lot of that. But it also like explores because of this person's um, uh, status, his employment. Uh, it also explores what his um, like the the hangups of bureaucracy. Yep. And um, which is also very evident. I'm not spilling anything new here. It's just uh, it also explores that, and it also explores um, relational dynamics among coworkers and the family. Um, and I think that as much as I would love a happy ending, that all those business people finally realize oh yeah and we should work together and that's how things actually get done um i don't that i don't think that was ever the way this film was meant to be no um so yes it's a, it's it's a semi it's a negative outlook on the whole from kurosawa yeah and let me just clarify i'm not saying that like as a negative i'm not saying i didn't like the movie because it's negative sure um i'm just saying i i just asked about the bridge because i was confused about how that fit in with the rest of the movie and um but I did love, I think it was one of the most effective shots in the whole thing. One of those last ones where it keeps tilting down a bit until the guy's covered by his work. You know, all the papers stacked on the on the desk. Um, I was like, that's when I was like, oh, wait, this is the negative outlook, you know. Um, but it's, it's the reason why I really liked it because it's very effective in making its point. Um, because it's not just the one, like you were just saying, it's not just appreciate all the little things in life because you never know when it's going to be too late or and it's not just here's how bureaucracy works and how it fails um and it's not just here's how people kind of look at someone after they die or how they look at them while they're alive it's all of those things at once and each one informs the other um and each one makes the film as a whole stronger and makes each other theme stronger so i like how it all works together really well yeah, and I think kind of contrary to your, you mentioned It's a Wonderful Life uh, being movies and about time movies that kind of help you like enjoy the little things. Um, I do think this film has that effect because I think part of the point that we're supposed to see at the end is this park and the amount of work that had to go into. Um, and not only that, but like it's one person's relentless insistence. And so you, there's, I live in a place that has several parks around um, because I live in Iowa city and we want to like have that space. And they realized they screwed up too early when they built all of downtown. Uh, <laughs> and then they're like, we really need to start adding some agriculture. Uh, so there's a lot of parks around, but I don't necessarily stop and notice and wonder um, about, about these parks and like, what was the process? Like, when was it founded? What, what was, what was the planners original dream? Like I, I didn't, I don't think about that kind of thing. You could even make the same you know, thing for, I mean, architecture is a little bit easier to notice because a lot of times, you know, you think of that, like, I don't even know what the building is, but that famous one in um, Sydney, Australia, I think it's like a theater. Maybe I couldn't tell you like a big white building that has a lot of like, whatever, uh, Alice or uh, um, Adam, Adam will, will let me know. I'm sure. But um, I know what when you're talking about, I just couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah. Or like you think of like, uh, um, even, even like, uh, you know, the, the world trade centers were just, I mean, they were, tall rectangular blocks but they were distinguishable and uh um and you know i stuff like that's easier to notice but like i think the part of the point was there is so much in this life that you don't realize that somebody has poured their heart and soul to and the world fails to recognize that 
on a daily basis. But like that park down the street was somebody's passion project. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, I think kind of, I did get that appreciate the little things vibe, although it was in a much more like challenging way to kind of at the, by the end of the film, it takes us back into the society that we know and live in and almost challenges us to be that person on the bridge. So that's why I'm also like, I think it could also be meant to be a vague representation that we can insert ourselves in to stop and look at the park. Yeah. You know, now that you say all that, this is again, as evidenced by every episode of this, I'm (laughs) I'm glad that we talk about it. Um, Yeah. Because there's a reason that that's the last thing. Yes. That's shown instead of like you could have shown that and then the people coming in and being sent off to the next department. But no, it's it shows the way it does. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like just to add on to what you're saying, uh, we've got the Watanabe wanting to yeah. make something of his life and then doing so. And then all these people realizing what he did um, and vowing to be different. But then when the moment comes to to be different, they always take the comfortable over the chance to change something in a, in a meaningful way. But then it still shows the park that uh, Watanabe spends all, all of his time, like all of his last days, weeks, months. I'm not sure exactly how long it was. Was it five uh, months or something? I think I heard five months at some point. Yeah, yeah. So he spends his last months putting all of his time and effort into building this park. And that's the last thing you see. Um, so like you were saying, look at this one one person's determination and passion to bring to bring this to life. Um, it doesn't have to end like these men in the bureaucratic system. You can mm-hmm. make a difference. Um, so it's almost like this is how it is. This is how it should be. Um, kind of juxtaposed right next to each other at the end there. And I like that. Yeah. So I'm glad I, I'm glad you you said all that because it made me think a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like, I think that really helps us because the point of movies, when you talk about mortality and existence and uh, purpose and all that, like the point of a movie is to convict us or a point of a film or story that's having those themes is to convict us to live in a way that is better than we're currently living. So mm-hmm. um, I think that there's something really special about, you know, like, so for about time and it's a wonderful life, both of those are hey, pay attention to the little things um, because that's where you find your joy and that's where you uh, can find purpose. And like, well, I mean, they're kind of different because It's a Wonderful Life is look at the little things um, and enjoy them. And about time is, you know, look at the little mistakes and how they make life perfect. Um, right. At least to me, you know, I think. Yeah. There's several ways you can look at each of those movies. Um, so I think that, the, you know, even Inception um, has on two or three different layers challenges that as we're, trying to correct course of action, um, you know, challenges for us to, to live better. And um, if this movie would have just ended with the guy being happy and changing a bureaucracy, it could have inspired us to like, Hey, if we all stepped up and be this Watanabe character, then, you know, the world would be a much better place, but he's almost like, yeah, he came and he went and he's got a great story, but you know, there was no long-term impact. That's up to us, the collective. So I jokingly wrote down here, um, in the in the first scene of the movie where he's just mindlessly stamping the papers and mm-hmm. and then there's there's a montage or not montage really but it's like um, one it's after the other it's one after the other of like uh, um, looking looking at this one thing and it's like oh that's not our job that's over there and they're like oh that's not our job it's over there and it finally gets to the fire department and they're like yeah we don't want to do that so it's just like I jokingly wrote down the beginning of this movie almost feels like a really serious Parks and Rec episode I know. <laughs> I was I was trying to find ways to fit in Parks and Rec. Um, well, and then as soon as they start, you know, as soon as I realize, like, he's just going after building this park um, and all the work and effort that that takes into it, it's like, 
yeah, just lots lots of me going back to the Parks and Rec series because it takes up like four seasons to get that park built. Yeah, Leslie um, Nope. This is this last. This is this guy's last wish. He's dying. We need to make it happen for him. <laughs> April. Whatever. I wish I was dying. No. Anyway, are um, we sure Parks and Rec is in a comedic remake of Ikiru? It might be. I mean, because the tenacity that Leslie Nope has in Kanji Watanabe. I mean, look, I think mm-hmm. we're onto something here. <laughs> Let's talk to um, Michael Scher, see, see if he had that in mind at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll just call him up. I'll, t- I'll tweet him. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anything else positive? Should I get into why it's just high like and not love? Um, I have lots of positive things to say. Um, but I think... Um, let me let me let me list a couple of these and maybe we can sandwich yeah. it sandwich it in there. Uh, a lot of it is honestly just moments or scenes I really loved. Um, so maybe I'll just kind of list through some of those. Um, the, first of all, the very first thing I noticed about this film because it opens on a black screen and music is the music in this film is gorgeous. Um, there's three specific moments I can think of, and one of them I'm going to talk about later, uh, or two of them I'm going to talk about later. But the score and the soundtrack are both just terrific. Uh, the closing song is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, just gosh uh, was terrific um and then uh one of the scenes that just really stuck out to me is something i feel like this movie like is definitely in your face about saying some things like or like it's not in your face it's subtle about saying lots of different things like it's not trying to ram it down your throat but like i don't see how you can interpret the messages of this movie differently like like the you know the scene or and like and so because of that like i think kurosawa sets it up brilliantly so that way he can just show you something and not have to, you know, completely explain it out. So like mm-hmm. the scene where they have the silver balls and they put them in and it kind of makes music on the way down. And like, you see how that brightens up Wantanabe's like, we all know, like when you're watching that scene, you know, the message and you don't have to be like, and so this is what I'm trying to say, or you don't have to have like a following expository scene. So, um, right. I, I, I loved that scene and the scene where, um, um, uh, Gosh, um, the, the the scene where uh, <laughs> this one made me laugh a lot, but like right after that, where they go to the strip club and like some like <laughs> I thought that was uh, quite, quite funny. And there was a couple funny moments I wrote down there. I wasn't expecting this to mo- movie to be funny, but it is a couple of times. It is pretty funny. I don't, I don't know that there were many funny moments after that, um, but it did have a couple of I mean, there's situational humor, but not not anything. It's like, ha 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 ha. Um, <laughs> I don't know about the, you. That's how I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other scenes uh, that I'll mention here quick is that, uh, um, and this is maybe my favorite part moment in the, uh, or like at least my like favorite, uh, like what it was talking about is the scene where he has um, the conversation with the young girl that like people mistake as his girlfriend, mm-hmm. that he's just trying to find out what makes you so vibrant. And, you know, she pulls out the rabbit rabbit. She's like, I just feel like I'm making friends with each one's kids. Um, that's, I go to work and I eat, but like, I get so much reward from making these little crank up rat. I thought that was a delightfully beautiful scene. Um, but then as, uh, as he's leaving, there's somebody that's coming in and they have a party that's singing happy birthday for them. Uh, and then even in the next scene, which is where he chooses to start to build that park, the score turns into a slow yeah. melodic happy birthday. I just thought like, Again, it's I'm I'm not the first person to be like, oh, happy birthday, celebrating the new life trajectory that this guy is choosing to take. I just thought that was a a really clever way to do that. And with that, he grabs a rabbit, which yeah, often symbolizes life. Um, oh, I, oh yeah, that's because the rabbits. Came. Yeah, and yeah. well, and rabbits are pop out babies like crazy. So <laughs> that's that's kind of why they're 
Okay, that makes to, sense. To simple, so it's just like an added layer to what you were saying. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, uh, I think we can go ahead and dive into some of the other things that you wanted to mention. I do yeah. have more positive. Well, one more positive is that I can completely relate to Watanabe at the beginning. Just you know, sitting at a job that's going nowhere, and you know, turning you into a robot. Um, man, it's not a great place to be. Um, so that that's why I like the uplifting parts of it. Um, yeah, it's not. Again, I, I'm high side of like it, so it's not like these things maybe hated or anything. It's just it was a little bit long, and I felt like I, some of the stuff, could, okay. like a couple scenes, or maybe like a couple scenes could have been taken out of longer sequences. So like there was a lot of stuff he does with the guy he first meets in the bar, who he gives the cigarettes to. Yeah, and he's not even like an he active character back. in the yeah. second half of the yeah. I, I yeah I could see that criticism um, that that or maybe like one or two of the activities with the girl um, mm-hmm. I I don't think there's anywhere else it just there were parts where I was like I felt like it was uh, spinning its tires a little bit I feel like sh- I I feel like I understand where you're coming from but Kurosawa has to show us this character uh, which by the way uh, I I can't go any further without saying that uh, Takashi Shimura is just excellent in this movie he's so good he's the lead. Um, Yes, uh, he's remarkably good. No, I agree. Um, uh, but he, uh, Kurosawa has to show that this guy is, he's, he's got a, he quickly introduces him as very relatable. You know, like Ebert said, he seems a lot like every one of us, you know, um, and, and just kind of getting in this rut of life and getting in this, you know, figuring out what his purpose is. But, and then also you throw in the, the stomach cancer right at the very beginning to give him sort of a um, like a you know now a, re- a catalyst um, for kind of recognizing the banality of his life. Um, but then um, uh, getting to he, he curious how quickly does that, but because he set this character in that way, um, he has to spend a while getting him to make that turn um, to really find out a purpose or some sort of good. Um, so while I, I think I understand, like he, you, you have to move him from um, sadness to joy. And then you have to turn that joy into productivity. And I think uh, I really think every scene is necessary. Although um, I do understand where you're coming. From. Uh, and maybe that's one of those things on rewatches, you know, being able to notice more of the little things to be like, you know, this meant a lot more than I initially thought or sure. without the scene, it completely thing. So, I understand. I'm not gonna like say you're wrong. I'm saying I didn't have the same experience. No, yeah, I get, it. I get it. Um, that's really my main criticism. It's the only reason I'm not saying loved it. Um, that and the fact that it uses what is perhaps my least favorite trope in all of movies. And trope usage isn't inherently bad. I don't like. I'm not saying because it uses a trope it messes mm-hmm. or it's a problem. But it always frustrates me and always takes me out when a character is trying to say something that's going to lessen the conflict, but the other character doesn't let them finish Yep. and then walks out of the room. And then for some reason, the first character doesn't say like, no, you're not listening. This is what I'm trying to say. Wait, you're talking it's about the when the dad is son. trying to, he's trying to tell him that he has stomach cancer and the, the son cuts him off. He's like, we already know. We you know $50,000 right. on, on this girl. Like he thinks like, like, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, right. He's like, this is your new girlfriend and she's going into your will ahead of me or getting, you know, and that, it's like, that's not what's happening at all. And then he doesn't push back and say what actually happened. So, well, but, um, but I'm willing to overlook it this time because yes, you're right. It infuriates me too. Um, 
it's so much, especially when like, there's no reason like that you can't tell the other person. Like um, I can't remember right now, but I remember there being like a big conflict in a movie that I saw recently that was like, all you have to do is tell them. And like, there aren't negative repercussions, but there are, if you do like, I, I can't remember the reference, but like, I was just screaming to be like, all your conflict goes away. If you just mm-hmm. say, um, you know, and, and I think it was even one of those where somebody was trying to get him to spit it out, but they just wouldn't say for some reason, just like, this isn't that bad. You didn't like, um, anyway, I think it's um, just when everything else is working so smoothly, like when you don't notice story-wise any, like everything working to the theme. And when this one thing is needed for the sun to come around eventually at the end. Well, so like I said, the reason why I'm willing to overlook it this time is because um, he the, the movie makes such a point to say that the father already has all these pre-existing um, feelings about his son. Um, how he already just really doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, it's part of all these conversations. And so like the son is being stubborn. And so I feel like there's just kind of a sense of, def- um, so I'm willing to overlook it um, because that's kind of the point. That's so, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. That's a trope that we certainly don't need to just rely on. I thought the trope you were going to say is, um, uh, and this is, this is actually my one thing that I would consider changing for the movie mm-hmm. uh, is the almost kind of like, how did we get here stage? Um, because the first half of this movie is this guy's story trying to find that spark of enlightenment and then the second half is at his wake and people are doing flashbacks um my critique would be first of all it was really jarring in the middle when i didn't know that was coming because all of a sudden i was like oh there's an hour and a half left of this movie and he's dead Uh, or an hour 15 minutes left of this movie and he's dead like okay but then they did flashback stuff i wish this movie would have opened in like and done the whole film in that regard and slowly by slowly but surely you know we we just work backwards um and you know like people can still give their theories and oh it's an election year so they just wanted some good pr and like oh no he just yada 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 or like you know, all that like i wish i wish that scene with the i think his like one of his bosses or co-workers and they answer the door and and they said oh he froze did that i said no he didn't he had stomach cancer that's mm-hmm. how he died look at the author. like i wish that would have been either framed the whole movie in that mindset or just make it all in chronological order i just thought it was a little jarring to me well so if you frame the whole movie that way, I think that it plays too much as like a mystery and it's not at all trying to be a mystery. And if you do all in chronological, I'll, I'll, I agree. It was jarring um, when I, I was like, at first I wrote down, like in my notes, it still says that I didn't like that framing device. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to the end, I actually really did like it because it lets you see the the uh, incremental change of all of these coworkers and bosses realizing that oh actually he did have stomach cancer and actually he did know um because we as the audience audience we know that he knew those things um so it's it's effective to me at least to see these people slowly realizing all this stuff about him and then coming to the decision that they ultimately don't honor um so i i by the end, I thought it was uh, really effective. Yeah, I love the framing device. To me, it was just a little jarring, kind of moving that way. Um, and, and I and I adapted, and that's fine, you know. Hmm. Uh, but uh, that's not necessarily negative. It's just I, I almost wish, and you don't necessarily have to do it as a mystery because you know you if you say in the start he had stomach cancer, but like you you just have people you introduce the girlfriend or the quote unquote girlfriend halfway mm-hmm. through, and she gets to tell that diner scene as one of the last ones. Like if you let that final scene. 
um, you know, be, or if you have the final scene in the movie, be that scene where she tells him, I just make these rabbits for these kids. And I feel every time I make a rabbit, then I'm making a friend with a kid. Like, I think that's such a beautiful ending to that movie um, because it's such a beautiful scene. And yeah, um, it's, it's not my favorite scene in the movie. It's my second, but it's very close um, because my favorite scene of the movie is the other song example. It's um, when they sing the life is brief song. And for almost all the song, it focuses on uh, the actor on the, uh, uh, on Kurosawa as opposed to the performances and it's 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 definitely a frame I think I've seen before um well changing it like changing the ending would also change what it's saying right it would yeah it would um for sure it would not it would not be as if we did the ending the way I just said it would make it a little more optimistic but yeah yeah that's um, what's so cool about editing you know <laughs> like I know getting just the way you uh chronicle and the order that you put things in get you totally different outcomes and totally different messages so sure fun little lesson yeah so um that was my only two the last thing i want the was just that scene i think is one of the best i've seen in a while um the the music scene um and i love how uh, i think more more films need to do this but when you have per- performance happening in a movie um i love seeing audiences reaction so there's um you know there's this example um, where we just see him like slowly reacting to the way things are happening, and there's a really great scene in Coda on Apple TV Plus. Where I still haven't gotten around to it, but I I want to. There's this really great scene where like you know maybe take a yeah I don't know it's just a framing device. So if you want to plot your headphones, it's fine. But like there's this great scene where it's about this deaf family and they have a a daughter that can speak and hear and all she can hear um and so she learns to start singing and there's a scene where she's at a performance and you don't actually see the performance and it's been building up to this for the whole movie you see the deaf family looking around at other people's reactions Mm. and it's just dead silent and it's brilliant so um I, 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 i i wish more films would do shots like that um yeah, that's it. That's I'm, I'm out of notes. I really love this movie. I love it the more I'm talking about it. I think mm-hmm. this is going to go down um, to me. I think this is going to continually grow in uh, in rewatches, and uh, um, it it is going in my hundred favorite in my favorite movies of all time list. I don't know where yet, but uh, um, that's it. Do you have any other movie notes about the movie before we kind of transition to uh, overall last thoughts? No, I don't think so. Cool. Uh, this is number four for me. Uh, on our goats. So I have uh, Cinema Paradiso, LA Confidential, Rope, and this. Um, and honestly, I might have it above Rope after after this episode. Uh, after like, since talking about it for a little, I really love this, um, and I for sure think it's going to continually climb. Um, yeah, I had it pretty low, but like I said, I've been thinking about it, so I'm moving it up right now. Let's see where it lands. You can listen to this in real time. <laughs> well, I mean, the editing software will cut. Uh, I've got it 13. I just moved it up 10 spots from where it was. That's something. Yeah, it's. I still can't say it's quite better than Strange Love, Dead Poets Society, LA Confidential, but and then of course like the top top tier stuff. But it's it's still great. Yeah, yeah. To, I, I and, may, and maybe it is because I'm coming off of just seeing this movie. You know, um, I mean, you don't have still, to defend yourself if you love. No, no, it, I'm, you loved it. I'm not. I just like. I, I think I think there is maybe something to say to you about like. I'm pretty sure this would still land here if not higher, but like. Uh, it's also hard for some of these to be like, I've seen Rope and LA Confidential several times. I've seen Cinema Paradiso twice or three times now. Um, this is the first time. And I wouldn't be surprised if this maybe even makes it to my number two spot by the end of 2021. Wow. I love it. It's, it won't be that Cinema Paradiso, I don't think. But. Uh, okay. Uh, so obviously our, our goats, our top goats are still the same. Um, yes. So 
we, especially since we're just doing one this week, we just get we just say where they are in our rankings now. You know, we don't necessarily do that. Is this still your? Is, right. Do you have a new upset? Or, um, but if you ever just have like an upset of a rewatch of one that you're like, no, it turns out I really loved His Girl Friday, and the more I've thought about it, like, so that's my new one. You just feel free to say. It. Okay. Um, on the next goats uh, next month, uh, because it's October next month, we will be talking about the thing as our because it's a horror movie that uh, are we doing is, a Twitter poll or are we? No, no, it's the just the thing. Just the thing. We'll do it. We might now. Uh, we might do some Twitter polls in the future to be like, which ones do you guys want to talk about? As opposed to Robert and I just sitting down and saying, "Hey, let's do this." Um, you know, I think that would be fun. Uh, maybe by the time we make the next schedule, you guys can help us plan out January to June, but um the thing will be october the original john carpenter um i don't think either of us have seen this one right i have not seen it yeah neither have i so do we have a third person uh yes i think that dexter is on for cool so yeah next two episodes ago also have extra dexter and then joseph for november um so yeah we'll be talking about the thing next month um and uh that'll do it for this week's goats uh we'll do the b plot this should be pretty quick uh because um Turns out I made this uh, this this topic and it turned out to not be very uh, ex- as extensive as I thought. So we're doing best ever Hollywood remakes of foreign films. Um, we'll do the Sif Pop Weekly style. So top five Trump rules, instant honorable mentions. Uh, I know Robert said he only had four. I have all five and two honorable mentions. So I'm just going to kick us off. Um, I have Insomnia because this is uh, Christopher Nolan, 2000. Uh, it's a remake of a, Swede- a Norwegian film. So um, yeah. that. That's my number five. Yeah, that's my number four. But my level of liking it is more honorable mentions. <laughs> but I just wanted to put it on here because it's something that I've seen a couple times. Mm-hmm. It's actually lower tier, like maybe bottom. Uh, yeah, I think I like it a little bit more than most. But it's I'm actually, my least favorite than... Nolan. <laughs> no, I still like it more than The Dark Knight Rises, and um, it's probably uh, I, I like it more than Following. But that's it uh yeah so you're right lower tier nolan which is still a good move um uh so that's your number four my number five my number four is the italian job the mark Wahlberg and statham this is a remake of a michael kane uk film hmm. um which i haven't seen but i really want to i've heard they're both equally good i really like the mark Wahlberg version i think it's great uh number four i have talented mr ripley see i haven't seen this one i know this is one of the ones that i was like i think this is uh france you know the I unfortunately didn't write down what they're based off. I just uh, looked at some lists and Wikipedia and made my list based off of that. But yeah, Talented Mr. Uh, Ripley is great with Matt Damon and Jude Law and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. A lot of fun. Very dark, but still very good. Yeah, this is um, on my watch list. It's It looks like it was based off a 1925 book, but I know it was... So I think this and maybe another one on my list were based off a book and had adaptations in two different languages, so it might not actually count as like a direct remake in the same sense of insomnia but the novel was previously filmed twice 1957 a one-hour version produced for tv for the tv show anthology series studio one and a 1960 full-length version film titled purple noon french so remake of purple noon cool uh my number three is uh 12 monkeys nice good movie this is also french so um based off it's really supporting role uh brad pitt yeah um Number two for me is Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, the Fincher version. Oh, I didn't even think of that one. But it's when, been a while since I've seen that one. I don't think I accurately say anything about it. Yeah, I, I had never seen it, but I was catching up on Fincher when Mank was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I, 
it, I think it's like top three or four Fincher for me, and it was a lot better than I was expecting. Well, not, not better than I was expecting. I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. I thought it was mm. going to be too dark and too uh, gory for me, but it wasn't. It was great. Yeah, I own the um, original, the foreign trilogy, and uh, I am very interested in re re going back to the Fincher one. I just... Yeah. My number two is Coda. We were just talking about it on Apple TV+. Plus. Apparently, it's a remake of a French film um, that I'd never heard of, but uh, Coda is my favorite film of 2021, so um, obviously it was going to be really high on here. Until God's Not Dead 4 comes out, right? Until God's Not Dead 4 comes out, right. Uh, and I think we have the same yeah, it's number be. one, uh, The Departed. Yep. Based off the Hong Kong film and Infernal Affairs, which is also a good movie, but I prefer them. I haven't seen the original so by default, I d- prefer The Departed, um, but I prefer The Departed over most movies as it is. Yeah, uh, I think it's my favorite Scorsese. It's number two for me after Silence. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm rewatching Silence for Shane's podcast, but he's going through all Scorsese's filmography, so it's going to take him a while. <laughs> You'll get on there like 2023. So like April, yeah. Uh, my two honorable mentions are um, the 2014 Godzilla. Uh, I like that one. Um, yeah, it's fine. I think I think King of the Monsters is uh, is watchable garbage, and I didn't really like Godzilla vs Kong all that much. Um, so this is to me like probably quality the best of the three. So uh, it's honorable mention. It's not a super worth no, no, noteworthy. The other one apparently George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead was co-produced uh, with between American and America and Italy. So the 2004 <laughs> Zack Snyder one um, was fully Hollywood. Uh, and I enjoy that one quite a bit. So these aren't foreign language then it's, it's foreign. Yeah. Okay. So, cause like Italian job was UK. The rest of them were foreign language, but, but because that one was not made in America okay. or it was half made, I guess. I don't know. I probably would have put it in honorable mentions, even if I liked it more than some of the other nominations, but that probably was not going to happen. Cause I like it, but it's not right. Cool. Yeah. Like I said, not quite an extens- as extensive of the list I just thought. Like I know Vanilla Sky was on there, which I haven't seen. And you mentioned some like it hot, like some movies that I've never seen that I don't think would have made it like to number one for either of us um, or really even to the top five. But uh, yeah, which just leads us to the spinoff. Robert, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you're really dying to tell people to watch or to? Um, have you gotten any avoids lately? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm not going to break that trend. Um, I have been watching some Aronofsky movies because I have a video coming out on Noah. Ooh. Tomorrow? Uh, this comes out? Yeah, every other Thursday, so yeah. This comes out the the next Wednesday that there will be at the time of recording? Yes. Yeah, so tomorrow as of its release. Anyway, uh, The Fountain. I've been watching Aronofsky, and um, I uh, this movie is totally off my radar until I was just looking into his filmography and um apparently doing some research it's the movie where aronofsky said represents what he thinks about the world most out of any of his movies have you seen it no i think the only aronofsky i've seen is noah black swan and requiem for a dream okay well this I've, one I've not seen mother or i don't think any definitely not the fountain yeah mother is great also but uh the fountain is totally worth checking out um it's about this guy hugh jackman whose wife is dying, played by Rachel Weiss, Weiss, Wise. Um, one of those is correct. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard about this movie recently. But. Yeah, his wife is dying and he is convinced that death is a sickness like any other sickness and he can find a cure for it. Um, and it's very heady. It's very deep. Um, it's very engaging. 
it's only like an hour 44 so it's not like too much being thrown at you it has and i'm not exaggerating one of the greatest scores i've ever heard um it'll make you think about life death meaning love people existentialism uh i would say if non-straightforward movies if you can get down with that kind of movie go watch it right now cool i added it to a watch list so nice uh i'm not a massive aronofsky fan the three that i mentioned i have seen i'm not terribly high on any of them uh, so i probably black swan's the best of the three i mentioned but yeah um cool uh, I'm going to do something that, uh, and so here's the thing. I haven't gotten a chance to watch any movies, um, since last time we recorded, um, and we just did a TV episode, so I don't really have, uh, much to say there. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pull from a different area of pop culture and I'm not trying to kiss ass here. Uh, I'm going to recommend your YouTube channel actually. Aww. Um, cause I have done, uh, like I've been like cooking a lot or things and like, if I'm cooking i can pull on youtube in the background Mm -hmm. and uh um i've been watching some of your videos recently and for the sip hop family meeting uh we actually talked about what inception actually like some theories of inception so um it because because i was inspired after watching your video and hearing dicer constantly talk about his um mindset that Cobb is in dream the entire time so we talked about that yeah um and uh but yeah i mean uh, the, the your inception video is great ted lasso is great um uh great video obviously shows great too but Works um, levels. yes um and, but to me the video that stands out clearly as your best is the star wars last jedi video hmm. um to me that was just perfect so thank you um yeah absolutely so thanks so much for Rob's, saying that so rob's thoughts on youtube really great content going up there every other thursday every other thursday uh so that's my spinoff Go check out Rob G. Uh, I uh, can confirm <laughs> best videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's a wrap. A uh, quick reminder, Hip Hop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you want to write for hiphop.com, you can get in contact with one of us on Twitter at Schweitcastle um, or just DM the Hiphop Twitter. Uh, you can also email us at writersroom at hiphop.com. Also, feel free to use any of those for feedback. Uh, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot. That'd be cool. But uh, that's uh, the way that you can connect with uh, me and the show. Uh, Robert, aside from your YouTube channel, where do you want to send yeah. people? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at underscore Rob's thoughts. Cool. Well, as always, it's been great, Rob. Really appreciate you and your thoughts and your time. Yeah, always love being on. Great. Uh, so let's do it again next month then. Uh, we'll talk about The Thing. Uh, and next week, the episode is uh, Because of No Time to Die coming out relatively soon. We're going to be talking about all the Daniel Craig Bond films mm. with Heath and Shane. So make sure to come back next week. Is Heath that. like James Bond? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So come back next week uh, for that. Come back next month for us to talk about the thing. And we'll see you back here then. Until then.